Computer, initialize Holosuite. our show for this week on I've Forgotten the Name of the Podcast. Her First Track. Her First Track. Welcome to Her First Track. You do really well at this, Beverly. Thank you. I am You've a professional podcaster. Got the name of the show. Good start for us, though. I thought you were going to edit it out. <laughs> no, no, I'm leaving it in there. Oh, dear. So, as we record this, we are watching our new cat like a hawk, because he's not using his litter tray. Mm-mm. We've already had two, we had one accident and then one purposeful urination in the house today, I would say. So we have a cat. We already had a cat. Another cat. We have another cat. We got him today, recording day. About six hours ago. And we've named him after a Star Trek character. We have. But not one you would think normally. Do you want to reveal its name? I will. We carefully selected Wesley. He is Wesley West. I don't know if we even introduced ourselves by name. He's more important than us anyway. We've introduced our new cat's name before ours. <laughs> she is Katie. I am Kyle. And this is her first, first track. Trek. I remembered it that time. A Star Trek review podcast. We're on episode three now. It's interesting doing the show because with Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast that we did, it was watch one episode and get review done. Whereas with this, it's like... Try and fit in four episodes in a short enough space of time that we can then do a podcast without forgetting bits. I apologise if you end up hearing our kitten, by the way. Little cutie, little Wesley. What's going on? So that's really our biggest event that's happened to us this week, is it? It's pretty serious. It's pretty serious. We've got a new family member who could be here for 15 or 20 years. Mm. Trek could be off the air again by then. And back on. And back on, yeah. True. We could be in the third golden age of Star Trek. We did debate naming him after some cat characters. I originally wanted to call him Lorca, which you didn't go for. I felt like I was giving him a bad rep. True. Straight away. So I went through a list of names. Didn't think of Grudge. I thought of Spot, but that wouldn't work because we've got a ginger cat and Spot was a ginger cat. So it would be weird to call a different cat Spot, I think. It was between Wesley and Odo. Mm. So how seriously were you considering Odo? Uh, not super serious, but by that time I'd already heard Wesley and I was like, that's the one. Yeah, you were kind of set on Wesley at that point. I mean, it's a super cute name and it just suits him so well. I would say it's like, as you said, it's a Trek name, but it's also quite normal as well. So people won't know mm. that you've allowed us to name the cat after a Trek character. Yeah. <laughs> people have asked me where I got the name from and I'm like, just popped into my mind. So yes, if you listen to this and you hear meows or anything, that's our cat because he's got to live in this one room, big room, kitchen and back room, the breakfast bar for a couple of days before we introduce him to the rest of the house because we do already have a cat and a dog. So we are segregating for the moment, although he has met the cat and so far they're okay. It's funny that we're talking about this because obviously when this airs, we've going to have had him for quite some time. Yeah, so either things will have got way worse. Yeah. Or everything will be fine. Yeah. We'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll stay keep tuned. you updated. <laughs> so we're here to talk Star Trek. We are now in the flow of things. You took on the challenge from me to 
watch every Star Trek show from start to finish, one episode per week currently. I'm thinking we're going to spice it up in two or three weeks and we're going to start doing maybe two TNGs, two DS9s one week, two Voyages TOS the next week, and then, I don't know, we'll just wing it. We'll see what I was feeling right because this show has to be fun for you. Mm. And, we have and sometimes I get to the end of an episode and I'm like, I could watch the next one now. Because mm. I'm part of that binge yeah. culture. And we don't want to stop that from happening. Mm. So what we're going to do for everyone listening who may be watching along with us is we will make you aware of what the next episodes will be. So we'll make sure you know what to watch to stay at Katie's pace. There we go, Katie's pace. We're going to call It's going to be it a that. scientific phenomenon one day. Katie's pace. Mm-hmm. How to take about seven years to watch all of Star Trek whilst they're continuing to make more and more. Did you hear that? Wesley, you're going to be eight by the time I finish this. <laughs> he is. So let's talk Trek this week. Let's talk Trek. Uh, we are covering an episode from each of the first four Star Trek shows. So there'll be a TOS, a TNG, a DS9 and Voyager. And the episodes are Charlie X, Code of Honor, Past Prologue, and time and again from Voyager. As normal, Katie's going to read a description from trekcore.com. So thank you to Trekcore. And we would have continued our experiment of Katie trying to tell us what happened in her own words off memory. But because of how we have to watch all these episodes, uh, they're not, not always recent in her head when we do the show. So Katie, I'll leave it to you. What are we going to go with first? Spin your wheel, so to speak. Um... Oh, is that the wheel? Let's go with um, Time and Again. Voyager. Mm. Okay, let's do it. Voyager goes first today. Time and Again. Investigating an explosion which has levelled an entire planet, Janeway and Paris are caught in a space-time fissure and thrown back in time a day before the cat- 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 cataclysm. 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 An English teacher. While the crew attempts to rescue them, Janeway tries to find a way to escape without interfering with the timeline. I mean, it's hilarious to see Janeway trying to find... Was it? Janeway tries to find a way to escape without interfering with the timeline. The goddamn irony of that, as you'll see as the show goes on. I've already kind of seen it. (laughs) I feel like Janeway's biggest concern... uh, Well, the least of her concerns ever is interfering with the timeline. Okay, so... Time and again, this is one of the episodes I remember the most about Voyager. And uh, if I sound like I'm taking, I'm dragging words out when I'm saying them, by the way, it's because I'm watching my cat like a hawk because I'm convinced he's going to try and uh, do a number two, as they say, somewhere. That is what he's doing. He's so fidgety. He's trying to find somewhere. Big question for you first is, did you enjoy this episode? Because you weren't so sold on last week's episode. I wasn't. Episode. It went... From a serious up to down, and it has come back up for me this week. Okay. I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I remember this one quite fondly because I've rewatched back in the day when I was younger, I used to rewatch the first season or so of Voyager quite a lot. And so this was one of the first ones to get into. So it had been many years since I'd done that though. So this was quite a new experience for me again. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed getting to watch it and seeing an, an away mission, the first away mission since the premiere episode because uh, last week was all on the ship a nice pairing of Janeway and Paris I was just about to say that I was just about to say it was nice because I kind of liked their interaction in the first episode and we haven't really got a chance to see much of them together we haven't really seen too much of Paris in general don't I don't feel not but this is really like Paris heavy 
Yeah, maybe not last week. Because it was a very Balana-focused mm. episode. We did get a bit with Paris, was trying to make sense of the time loop. So in some ways we've had, like, time travel in some guise in the first two standalone episodes. Is that too much? Too soon? Was it time travel in the last week, really? They were seeing themselves. It was time travel. It wasn't like a, a reflection of themselves, was it? It was, it was mm. time travel. It was a time loop. No one was traveling in time. There was, like, a time delay yeah. thing. I don't think that was the same. I enjoyed this one more than that time loop one. It was a fun twist. It was like, yeah, that's great. But this one, I really enjoyed this. So what do you enjoy about this one then? I think mostly it was the fact that Janeway and Paris were getting together. And I love how profesh she is, even though, you know, he's a criminal. Was a criminal. Was a criminal. I enjoyed the, you know how I like when Trek goes to new places and mm. meets new people. You're a fan of away missions. I do. I really like that. So it was nice because I got a bit of that in it too. You like the clothing? I did. I did. Which is horrifying. It's stylish. Oh my gosh. You think the outfits on the planet were stylish? You don't think I'd look good in that? Um. Answer. I was going to say wisely, but what I mean is answer better and faster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to like, I'm not sure who could look good in it. Like Me. The, the bright colours. It almost, it's not tie-dyed. It's like a thing before you do tie-dyed style, I think, as close to it. No, it was cool. So basically, and obviously that description didn't describe what happened, was they went to this planet that obviously there'd been an accident and um, the planet was destroyed. And Paris and Jamie get thrown back like a couple of days or a day to before it happens and everyone's alive. And there's like this energy being used. And Voyager are doing something to try and save... Janeway in Paris, yeah? Until we we then find out that actually it was the attempts to save them that mm-hmm. caused the accident that destroyed the planet. So Janeway manages to stop them and then everything's saved and the planet carries on. And oh, and time resets for them so they never actually visit the planet. But Kess oh, remembers. Yeah. And Kess comes to the bridge and she's like, can you scan that planet? Everyone died. And they're like, yeah, there's like however many million people on there. And everything was fine. Weird they don't remember it though. Seeing as it was one of my favourite things that they've done so far. Yeah. That does happen a lot in Star Trek, though. Like Twilight and Enterprise, Mm. where Archer's forgetting. Well, he's literally forgetting everything within his own timeline, let alone by the end of the episode. But I do always like this episode, though. I really enjoyed it. The little kid annoys the shit out of me. Oh, he was so annoying. Incredibly annoying. He just appeared out of thin air. Get phased, kid. Get phased. Um, well done. I'm glad you've like held on to that. I remember, I, like it. I remember that from Lower Decks. Yeah, I didn't. I couldn't stand him. He's just a little weasel. The funny thing is now he's probably this would have come out in '94. No, sorry, '95. They said. So what was that now? It's '25. Just let's just ago. be clear. We don't hate him. We hate his character. How sad though. He's actually old. He's probably older than us now. Yeah. And yet we're hating on him as a child. I don't hate him. I hate the character. And again, his outfit, his makeup. And Everything I find it really infuriating that Janeway's like, when they're like, oh, you know, what's going on? Where did you get these weapons from? All she has to say is time traveler. And she keeps it in for a really long time. And Paris is like, come on, love. But they didn't want to spit it out. She didn't want to contaminate. No, I get that. But also your entire planet's going to die. Like, yeah, surely you can just say a little summon, summon, write it down, pass a note across the table and be like, you get me. Well, obviously, she's forced to eventually admit things like that when Kess tries to speak through time to her. So Kess is starting to tap into some seemingly telepathic abilities because she sensed that Janeway and Paris were in the past. She spoke about how her people apparently were like that before, but Neelix doubts it, but 
he always supports her, I think, though, anyway. And I, I kind of like, though, that those people who were protesting against the, the energy that was being used are actually the ones that they were technically bad. Like they were going there for an attack on the base. But it was Voyager's presence there that caused them to launch mm. the thing sooner. So Voyager just being there was the problem. I really like the twist. Really like that twist. Mm. That it was Voyager's presence that caused it. I will say, Voyager is nailing the twists so far. The plot twists. Mm. It is actually hitting us with a twist every time, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's not like a straightforward plot. There's actually... There's a big, ooh, moment. Okay. So, favourite scenes from this Voyager episode? Favourite um, moments, scenes, anything? The bit where they're, like, being held hostage by those two people. Mm, I like that. Jane when was... they're being, quote-unquote, interrogated. Yeah. She's just, like, hard-ass bitch. Like, you ain't getting nothing from me. Even though that's annoying. I respect her for it, you know? But they were kind of doing okay until that kid showed up and said that they mm, appeared out of thin air. That's true. And blew their rather awful cover story. And you know I love a montage. You do so like I loved it when they turned up in their fresh gear, their fresh clothes, and they just walked out. I was like, yes. That was probably my favourite scene. But I really enjoyed the parts on the planet when, you know, after it had been like, destroyed, like yeah. when everyone had died on there. Because oh, I yeah. just thought like the set and the lighting and the way they were sort of moving through the destroyed buildings and stuff. Mm. I just thought that was really cool. It looked cool. And it was spooky. Mm. And it kind of did feel... And I think I've thought this since I was a child watching this. I think it did feel like they were in a place where people had just been like mm. eviscerated. Like it had feelings of Pompeii. I was just going to say Pompeii. Hmm. Yeah. Like, or like a concentration camp. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Just that feeling of like there is just loads of death around you. You mm. can't even see all of it. But horrible, mm. horrible things have happened there. So of the first three voyages then, it's so a caretaker. We'll call it... Parts one and two is one episode. Caretaker, Parallax, Time and Again. What order would you currently rate them? I think it's still Caretaker at the top. The pilot at the top has not been beaten then for you. Then this one, a close second. Okay, so we're looking at Caretaker, Time and Again, and Parallax Mm -hmm. in that order. Interesting. Okay, so we've done Voyager. Now we need to pick your next one. Spin the wheel, Katie. Yeah, let's go with Code of Honor. So this is uh, the Next Generation's episode for the week. Hit us with TrekCore.com's episode summary. Picard must bargain with the primitive Ligonians mm-hmm. for the antidote to a terrible fever, but is unprepared when the leader of the aliens kidnaps the Enterprise's chief of security, Tasha Yar. So I feel like that just tells us like the first part of it. Though. Yeah, it doesn't really tell us anything going on in it. Turns out that this guy who's like the leader because the women own the land on this planet Mm -hmm. but the men pretty much manage it in other words men are in charge but a woman decides which man is in charge Mm. by who she chooses as her first husband Mm -hmm. and they have like a second as well don't they so they're all shocked at tasha yar being head of security they're horrified i mean it's incredibly sexist everything in this episode is really sexist like it's not empowering about a woman being in that role it's very much how can a woman be Mm. in charge of security and you know fighting men and stuff. If it was a one-time thing, you'd be like, oh, cool, it's good that they mentioned it from that culture. They're not used to it. But it kept going. You're like, wow, this is pretty offensive. I mean, there's a lot of offensive things in this episode, like with mm. um, the alien culture were all black and it was playing on some stereotypes and things. So here's an interesting thing. I only found out just before we watched this episode. And it wasn't even through doing like intentional research. It just I just came across it. So the person who was directing this episode, it was originally meant to be like lizard creatures or something, mm. the aliens, like reptilian kind. And then the director 
changed it to all black people, which on the surface of it, having a culture who are entirely black, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But obviously it then went way too far into that. But the director got fired uh, mm. by Gene Roddenberry after apparently Gene Roddenberry saw midway through shooting, saw what's happening. I can't remember the name of who came on. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. They brought on the director to finish it. Who was it? Les Lando? I think it was someone else. Uh, who ended up doing loads of Trek uh, after that. But I just don't understand how a director on TV, I guess it was a different time, but has that much control over like changing the, the creatures who would have required lots of prosthetics. Is it a to... budget thing? It probably would have saved them money. But like, how does how did the director get that control? Like that wouldn't happen nowadays. Directors come in, they shoot the show how the producers say the show is meant to be shot. I don't even know if they have anything to do with casting. I think they're just told who's got to work. But so it's incredible to think that in only the third episode of the show that someone's eyes were off the ball so much mm. that a director was able to make changes to this episode. I don't know if there's any changes to the script due to him. Was it the writer who pushed the, the sexism in the script? Because a lot of the race, racism, I think, with the alien culture was through the uh, visual presentation and like all the stuff that's visual. In the show, I think. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, I'm not educated enough on this to know for sure, but but definitely visually there was a lot of racial insinuation or just offensiveness on the screen. Whereas the sexism was built in the script. So did the writer do that? Who I don't have to hand, or did the director make changes? And I'm just amazed that third episode in, people should be watching it like hawks now. When we watched it, we said we probably wouldn't dwell on the racial side and stuff. I think we needed to mention it, but we're gonna just talk about it as an episode of Trek. And actually, well, I'll let you tell everyone listening what you thought actually, as an overall feeling. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the story. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the blatant racism and sexism aside, which is hard to say. Yes, I know. Um, We're not trying to ignore it. No. But a lot has been said about it, particularly in the months preceding us recording this, because it's been in track media due to Jonathan Frakes thinking it should have been removed from the TNG uh, library. It's a shame that there are so many things that we can criticise with it because it's a good idea for an episode, I think. Yeah, the idea that an alien culture is so shocked by what they're encountering with uh, on the Enterprise and then steal one of the crew. I enjoyed her putting him in his place in the holodeck. Yeah, the, so the Tasha Yar was showing in the holodeck with a hologram, uh, mm. some of her technique, and the I think he was the second, was he the... Mm. Guy who thought, you know, anyone can do that. You can't lose to like a hologram and he gets beaten. And this is after Tasha had already taken him down, I think, in, yeah. when he transported up. There was a lot to like in this episode from from a perspective of what they, were, what they were trying to do with it. Yeah. I wish that, you know, the fight at the end when Tasha has to fight for her freedom and they've got these, they're wearing like these gloves with spikes that have a, a lethal poison. Mm-hmm. If it touches you, you die. I mean, there's a hilarious moment where someone's glove gets knocked out into the crowd and it lands on someone's lap. And You say hilarious, but that's... Like, he just dies like that. Poor spectator. This is why you never get front row tickets, people. <laughs> never get... If it's get... a comedy gig, you will get made fun of. If it's, uh, you know, a battle to the death, you could be skewered. Always avoid the front row. Mm. I think there's an important... Well, among many, there was an important moral in Code of Honor. That's what we took from it. Yeah. But that fight scene itself... It's really good. It was good, but I would love to see that now. Because obviously it was made with restrictions. It was 1987, and it was shot oddly. Not oddly. I mean, like compared to how it would be now. If it was shot, it'd be tenser and it's such. It's difficult because, like, the fight scenes from it, it kind of reminded me of fight scenes from TOS. Like they're so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. 
But the premise Con- of the it, the concept is yeah. is grander than the actual yeah delivery and um, the delivery of it. Like her bending around all those poles and stuff. Like at some point, I'm sure that they could have hit each other, but they just yeah. didn't want to because it wasn't time yet. And the woman who was fighting Tasha was obviously the the wife of the king or whatever he mm. calls himself, and she was fighting for her place at his side. He didn't really care though, but the second did. So after it's all done. Uh, through some nice trickery which we'll talk about in a moment she decided to change that person the the king guy to her second and she made the second guy her first so let's talk about the twist that picard Mm -hmm. came up with which was that tasha beat this woman which was good good win for tasha she went Mm -hmm. over as they say in wrestling but they very quickly then emergency transported the woman uh, the alien queen i guess or whatever her title was up onto enterprise and quickly revived her because the rules were it has to be to the death um, for Tasha to be free. So that woman did die. They had records of her dying. But Beverly Crusher was able to revive her. Nice twist, Mo. Mm, I did really enjoy that. I didn't know how they were going to get out of it. Especially mm. because there seemed to be such a heavy... Obviously, because the episode title. There was such a thing about honour. Mm. And Picard having to adhere to exactly what they wanted, which I thought was ridiculous, but they did carry it out all the way through to the end. It was good. That's the problem with Picard, is that he is by the book. Yeah. And like down the line. And this episode kind of I mean the way he kind of cheats without cheating, like that cheat itself was very Kirk. Now bear in mind at this point there's only been two track captains or leads. There's been Kirk and there's been mm. Picard. And they're very different. But in that situation, I don't think Kirk would have even allowed the fight to happen. Or he certainly would have been stepping in. He would have found a way to get him in. But the cheat itself, I think Kirk would do. But I thought Picard was very smart. That he obeyed every one of their traditions. But he found he found a loophole mm. and went for it. Mm. So favorite moments in this episode? Um, I like the way that Picard talks to him, the guy. I like their interaction with each other. I think it's really... In what way? I like how he seemed sort of like so respectful, but also really forceful. You know, I like a forceful Picard. Who doesn't? You do like a forceful I Picard. Do. It's a bit odd. It's really odd when we're in bed and you call me Jean-Luc, but I try to ignore it. Oh, you heard that. Yeah. Get Maybe. your flute out, Picard. No, that is horrible innuendo. Get your musical instrument out and play for me. Oh my god. I wish you'd never seen Family Guy. I don't even know what I'm talking about. No. I haven't got a clue. You will one day. The inner light. We'll get there. I can't remember what season it's in. Five? Six? Not sure. We'll be we'll get there in about three years. Cool. Was there any like scenes? You mentioned the holodeck scene, you like that, was there? And the fights. I enjoyed data in this episode also. Yeah. Which is odd though, because data is still not data yet like the way he will be for the rest of the show he's kind of brent spiner is kind of still tapping into it i guess you do know a little bit because you've seen picard Hmm. so you've seen data in those scenes and he hasn't got the cheekiness and the uh, i I guess with data as time goes on data's humor comes from his innocence and his Hmm. yeah his innocence really Whereas in like this episode and the ones before, is a lot of his humour is coming from. He's not innocent. Yeah, he's not innocent. He's cheeky. He has a dark side. It's kind of. He's fully functional. He's fully functional, <laughs> as as Tasha Yar found out last week. Where would you rank this one on your three then? Encounter at Farpoint, the Naked Now, or Code of Honor? Thing is with TNG, the more I watch of it, the more I like it. Mm. So even though this this was 
problematic. I think the storyline for me was my favorite okay. so far. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Mm. So this is at the top? I think so, yeah. Code of Honor's at the top. Oh, this... Guys, her first track, a Star Trek review podcast, is giving you twists and turns every single week. <laughs> I'm a regular Janeway. We, do, we, <laughs> we just don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth or go into it. Well, but um, bum, jeez, she never does know. So yeah, that's TNG this week. Mm-hmm. Now we've got two left. So your options are. TOS is Charlie X. I know which one I want to do last. Or DS9, Past Prologue. I'm going with Past Prologue. Okay. Wow, so you want to do TOS last. So doing DS9, hit me with your rhythm stick. No, hit me with your summary. Tana Loss. Am I doing okay there? Tana Loss. I don't remember. Loss. Is beamed aboard and is discovered to be a member of a group of extremists who are still attacking Cardassians. When he requests asylum... The Cisco is put in a tenuous situation when the Cardassians demand Tana be returned to them for his crimes. I love that you called it the Cisco, even though that wasn't in the I know, description. Yeah. You're buying into it now, and you haven't even met the Cisco. Oh, I had a glimpse this week. Yes. Okay. Let's just talk about that bit then. Okay. First. Okay. So, oh, let me just summarize. It turns out Tana Loss is actually still a bad guy, even though he's claiming that he isn't. He wants to close the wormhole because he thinks if they close the wormhole, the Cardassians will have no reason being near there and the Federation won't have really any interest being there. He wants Bajor for Bajor. He doesn't want to play any part in the galactic scene. His group so yeah, he's going to try and close the wormhole. He plays Kira, mm. uh, who's defending him. And then Kira eventually realizes what's going on and, and, and helps Starfleet with it. But yeah, he's a bad guy. And does he die at the end? I can't remember what happens to him. No, they just arrest him, don't they? Do they? Let's talk about the scene you're on about then. Yeah. Where we saw a glimpse of the Cisco from later. Mm, the Cardassian comes in and he's like, give me the guy. And he's really strong about it. Was that is... it? Oh. That is the most uneventful Sorry. description. Maybe you can describe it better. Well, I didn't think you were on about that scene. Which scene do you think I was on about? I think you were on about the bit where he found out that Kira had gone above his oh, head. Oh, that to the too. That too. And so yes. he doesn't mention yeah. Kira clearly for like a day or something. Yeah, so she thinks she's got something in the bag. And that he's helping her now. And she's like, oh, I'm so surprised that you're helping me, Commander. You know, I'm, I'm really happy. And he says something like, well, you know, the next time you go over oh, yeah. my head to Admiral so-and-so, you know, I will, I'll have you. Head I'll on have, a platter. Yeah, or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I'll have you. And I thought that, like that was very badgy. Oh, it was very badgy. I, I think I turned to you and I was like, mouth open. And I was like, that's the Cisco bitch. She said, what? Yeah, I was really down with Cisco. That, that moment, Cisco in that moment, I think is the best moment of DS9 until that point. So far, yeah. Yeah, not the whole show. God, I mean, we can have a long seven seasons <laughs> I was if like, that's it. oh no. <laughs> but I just think, what best character moment I think is that? Because mm. I thought that was, it was chills. I mean, Avery Brooks is so amazing as a Cisco. I'm I know some scared. people. Yeah, he's intense. I know some people even now are like a kind of hit and miss on Avery Brooks as Cisco. Like people who can't get into DS9 quite often cite Avery Brooks's performance but I think Avery Brooks's performance is incredible so let's get back onto past prologue though it's the first Kira episode mm. that we've had and you had not warmed up to Kira before to be this episode yeah no I really I didn't like her so what didn't you like about her before this episode um, I just think she's unnecessarily confrontational mm. and I get that she's there with 
dual loyalties or whatever, but she did make it clear in this episode that she has no loyalty to Starfleet. And that kind of rubbed me up the wrong way. Mm. And that she was so easily manipulated. She was a bit better this week, but I'm still not there with her. So where are you at on Kira by the end of this episode? Because bear in mind, she did do the right thing. She did. Because she said, who should Odo she's talking to? Because she had a, when she realizes that this guy is, is actually planning to do something bad, they don't know what at this point. They don't know he's mm. going to destroy the Wimble, but he's asking her for a ship. And she goes to Odo, her confidant, and says like she knows something. Should she do anything about it or should she just do nothing? Like, should she tell Starfleet, basically, or should she do nothing? And what happens, happens. And Odo guides her. I can't remember exactly what he says, but we find out that she does tell Cisco. Mm. So she does go with Cisco. I think mostly because I think she knows it doesn't act, it's not in Bejor's best interests yeah, for his absolutely. plan to happen. I don't think she told Cisco because she felt a loyalty to Cisco. I think she told Cisco because despite what. Tana Loss thought what he was trying to do was not in Basil's interest, which is what she only cares about at this point. So, But I like that. And I like that actually that took place off screen. Mm. Because we don't know that she's told Cisco until some information comes to Cisco in ops. And Kira is there as part of the conversation mm. and talking as though she's already revealed this information. So I thought that was pretty cool. Mm. She's a really interesting character. I don't know if we discussed it before, but they really talk about it on what we left behind, the documentary that got made about DS9 that I saw in the cinema last year. And they talk on there about how you couldn't have Kira now because Kira, she was a terrorist. Mm. Even though the Cardassians were evil occupiers and such, and Kira as a character fundamentally is a terrorist. Mm. And you see a lot more of that sort of roughness to her and chip on her shoulder right now on the show, which stays for a very long time. And you couldn't do that nowadays. It's going to be interesting watching you with Kira as Kira goes on because... You don't see Akira anymore, and you're probably not going to see Akira in mm. Trek anymore. Not in the way she is, anyway. What about Garrick? You met Garrick for the first time, the Cardassian tailor, mm-hmm. with uh, Doctor Bashir. And yeah, he was weird. Who? Garrick. Garrick. So he was trying to help Julian Bashir out because the oh, that's we didn't mention the Duras sisters uh, mm. were in as the Klingons. So the Duras sisters were making a deal with our evil Bajoran. Uh, the Dura sisters are from TNG, although you haven't seen them on TNG yet. But you did know the Duras family because you watched Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And one of their ancestors obviously has a uh, an arc with Jonathan Archer uh, towards the end of season two of Enterprise, which I won't, well, I won't give spoilers for how that all ends. But So you've dealt with that family before, and they're a pain in the ass. They look it. They're a pain in the ass. The whole feckin' family... Are a pain in the ass. Boobs on show. Klingons like to show their. Yeah, like because that's the only cleavage. redeeming feature. I'm not sure. We've seen Klingon boobs now in yeah um, in Discovery. I don't know whether I should call them Klingon boobs, Klingon breasts, uh, mammary glands. Oh, I was going to say or Klingon boobies. Oh, I went with mammary glands. We'll call them the Klingon mammary glands. That's... The Klingon badungadungas. So the Dura sisters are in this as well, and they actually are working with Garrick because there's suspicions on the station that Garrick actually still works for the Cardassians and he's stuck around as an innocent tailor to get information. And actually, we know for a fact that that does happen because the Cardassian ship comes to do mm. business, doesn't it, with, with the Dura sisters and stuff. So 
he must have some communication, at least with that ship. You'll see lots more Garak as it goes on. But how did he find his his sort of interactions with Bashir? Because Bashir obviously realised, he was terrified of him at first because he chose his reputation. And then Bashir realised he suspected that Garak was trying to, you know, tell him something. And then he gets him to come and get a suit, so to speak. So uh, yeah, I enjoyed drop. that bit. Yeah. And he was like, I want you to get a suit at exactly... What was it like eight fifty five? Eight fifty nine or something. Yeah, yeah eight fifty five. And then, and they're like, "What?" But she's like, "I don't need." Well, uh, and he's like, uh, "I think you need a suit." <laughs> yeah, and then Cisco, and then Cisco says, Cisco says well. it. That was funny. Yeah, that was really good. It's funny that Cisco is kind of aware of this going on on a station with Garrick. Even he's not sure about Garrick's like real role, and he's just letting it carry on. I mean, he's the same guy who let Cardassians on the station, even in the first episode. I would have thought that would have been a big no no. All ends well, you know, our heroes win. Cisco and Kira kind of, I think, starting to... Well, Kira now knows she can't mess around with, with Cisco. Which is important. Don't piss off the Cisco. So overall, for you, this episode, how do you find it? I I really enjoyed it, actually. I'm starting to... I do enjoy the stories of DS9. I really do. I'm just, for some reason, not clicking with the characters, and I don't know why. Oh, no. I don't know why. Well, I'll tell you something. I say this as a diehard Enterprise fan. Enterprise is my favourite Trek, unquestionably. It's the only Trek show I've watched multiple times, you know, multiple, multiple times from start to finish. And I do a podcast on it as well. But the character work on DS9 over its seven seasons is unrivaled in Star Trek. Okay. So to hear you say you haven't grown attached to the characters yet is is interesting. But I think that that will most certainly change. And probably quite quickly they take the shackles are off like a few seasons in and they kind of go wild i wonder if maybe struggling to get into the characters right now because they're so different to what you're seeing maybe. on the other shows maybe like they are dark characters they've all got some darkness to them and or you always feel like they, all of them would do something shady if they have to to achieve the goals mm. so where would you rank this amongst it's the three probably be at second for me because i really like the murder mystery yeah you know i love stuff like that um, but a close second. So Emissary's sitting in last place for you so far. That's mm. the pilot. Interesting. Yeah. I find that interesting. Whereas Voyager obviously has yet to have a standalone overtake its premiere. Mm. Which is cool. It's interesting getting your perspective on all these things. So the last one we need you to... You can just tell me, given my perspective, that I'm in no way an expert. Because I bet everyone else is like, she's so wrong. I think people like to hear a new person coming in because you're not part of the Trek community online. No. You're not seeing any of the conversations, which is good because you'll see you'll come across so many spoilers. Oh, I know nothing. You don't know anything. I'm worse than Jon Snow. You don't know who... <laughs> you know nothing. I know and sing Katie. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, come on. I'm at least a lieutenant. No. You're on the, the, like the third or fourth episode of each show. You're a I cadet. Would get, I would get. And you're not even a promoted cadet. Promoted through the ranks quickly. You're still filling your application form. How dare you? So. I'm captain by now. <laughs> You'll be president of the Federation at this rate by the end of season one of all the shows. Next week. Next week. Okay. I expect my further pip. President Katie. Thank you. Oh, that sounds so good. Great. I'll take it. <laughs> like, you haven't been corrupted by what other fans think because mm-hmm. there becomes a general consensus online. If you aren't of strong mind or you haven't been in the community long enough, I've been in the online track community for 20 years plus. Like, I have my own opinions. I don't get corrupted. But there's a rule as to, you know, what are the best episodes of each show? Which ones are the bad shows? And which ones are the bad episodes? And it's normally BS because everything's subjective in that regard. But you kind of come to this and you don't know any of that. You're not becoming biased because of other people's opinions. I am not. You're just coming up with it. Like, right now, before we rank where we're at at the end of this one, TNG 
season one is your favourite <laughs> of the track. TNG season one is one of the worst seasons of Star Trek, possibly one of the worst That's seasons of television. <laughs> but <laughs> look at you defending know, TNG I season will. one. You're going to like, I don't know what season th- three to six are going to do to you. They're going to blow your mind. Or what DS9 is going to do to you. DS9 is going to freaking destroy you into pieces. You know the way that they, in Discovery, they, with the uh, episode, uh, That Hope Is You, part one, from season three premiere, and they got the guns on their hands and they shoot them. Oh, And they yeah. just turn oh, into like Christ, yeah. these flakes of flesh and they're gone or It was something. like the snap. That's what DS9 is going to do to you. Oh, well, I look forward to it. You're not getting out, you're not getting out of parenting that easily, my dear. So, last one. Last but certainly not least. Now, you said you knew which one you wanted to do last, mm. which is the original series, uh, the episode titled Charlie X. But why is this one your last choice? Ooh, is it because I love it or is it because I hate it? Ooh, don't answer. Give us a description first. Okay. Unbeknownst, the crew of the Enterprise, Charles Evans is in fact a human with dangerously powerful psionic powers. He soon creates havoc on board ship and terrorizes the crew. Kirk must put Charlie back in his place, whilst at the same time avoid one of his deadly teenage mood swings. I mean, let's be honest, the end of that summary sounds like a Lower Decks episode. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so now I want the answer. So why is this one last? I feel like I know where we're going with this now. (laughs) I really liked it. Did you really like this one? I really liked it. What's the matter with me? I can't believe it. I know. I mean, terrible act, not acting, but like the, the... pauses and the stares like you hate this and this is not oh gonna, god this it is not gonna get better pull my own skin off just so i can cover my eyes yeah we're not like that is gonna be the same for the entire show so that we're not gonna we're not gonna see any improvement with no that. i know but I, that's okay but I, I really enjoyed the episode so what do you enjoy about it a lot i know charlie was a bit weird but no, he's he really supposed weird. to be charlie was a total virgin yeah but like a rapey virgin yeah I tell you what I didn't like. What? It comes from the later episodes. Janice Rand is... She gets so much shit. She is always being sexually harassed. Yeah. Like, she's always being objectified in it. And obviously, so Charlie, you know, I can't blame him, falls in love very quickly with Janice Rand when he's on the ship. We don't know, well, the crew don't know that Charlie's got these powers of influence over people. I think is the best way. It's not 100% clear. That's the only thing that I think was really strange, is that it's not 100% clear what his powers are. Mm. Basically, he can do anything. Like, he melted the chess pieces. He can make people disappear. He can make people disappear. And then where do they go? Well, they come back as well. They come back. Later. Sometimes. I mean, did that other guy come back? One when he was fighting, when Kirk was teaching him some Kirk Fu. I don't know. I don't know if he came back. Um, I mean, he was being a bit of a dick by... There's one thing to laugh at something. Yeah. In a good nature. Oh, way. I mean, that guy... He kept laughing. He I, w- I would have made him disappear. I, I wouldn't have made him disappear, actually. I would have done the chess piece melting thing to him. I was going to I was gonna go one step further, actually, and I was going to say I would make half of him disappear. <laughs> now, which way are we talking? Top half, I'd bottom keep the half, top or half. down the middle? Oh, ouch. <laughs> Lateral. Uh, no, I'd probably keep the top half. Watch him scream. <laughs> Oh my I'm god. joking. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm not joking, actually. Emperor Giorgio, is that you? <laughs> I'm uh, from the Mirror Universe, actually. Yeah. Here with my evil sidekick, Wesley the Cat. <laughs> oh, little He's Wesley. looking pretty fierce right now. Oh yeah, He's sleeping away. He is fast asleep. He is fast asleep. It's been a long day for him. Yeah, I didn't think his powers were clear. When he comes on board, the two people who bring him on board, he clearly influences what they say. 
But then why doesn't he ever really control Kirk? When he's having clear issues with Kirk, or when he's not being able to control Janice Ryan. Now, don't get me wrong, if he uses powers in that situation, then it's non-consensual, mm. which I think sometimes they forget in TV anyway when, they're in the, when they do these kind of storylines, is they'll yeah. make something happen. You think, you realise that technically was you use powers to force them to do it. They didn't, they didn't actually choose to. But he didn't use his abilities for any of that. So or why? on Kirk. Yeah, why? Well, with Kirk, I think it's because he kind of respected him in a way. Well, Kirk was his father figure. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I honestly don't. Because, like, that other girl, he, he made had, her go away. Didn't he did he? not like... Yeah, so he liked Janice Rand. He did not like the woman who Rand introduced him to when Rand realised that he was interested in her. She tried to put him with someone more his age. She said it was, like, 17 or something. Yeah. But she's on the Enterprise. Which doesn't make any sense to what we... I mean, these are one of the things that we're going to... She was basically there for eye candy, just in case a 17-year-old weirdo came aboard mm. and they needed to distract him with something sparkly. You know, TOS, it was never designed as a show that was going to have its universe ever expanding 55 years later. And also picked so, apart. Yeah. You're probably I mean, just supposed to sit there and enjoy it. I can sit here and say, well, she should be in Starfleet it. Academy, just starting. Or, um, but, you know... Starfleet at this point doesn't even exist. I don't think we've even heard the term Starfleet yet. So we know that in the canon it does, but in the canon for a lot of the stuff didn't exist yet. Were you happy with the plot at the end? You know, like the planet he'd been on, because he was the only survivor of a crash years ago, yeah, when he was a kid or something. Mm. And so he was living with like these beings that everyone thought were a myth or something. Yeah. He may be on his own, but it turns out they weren't a myth. They came and took him back because they said that there's no way to, to save him in the sense that he will always abuse his powers. Mm. And Kirk's like, no, keep, we will not give him up. We want to try and save Because at this point, Charlie's like taken over the ship and, and he's been a bit of a spot brat. He doesn't want to go back. But the aliens take him away and he's gone. And he didn't want to go. Like, it was a tragic end, actually. He's like, I don't want to go. They, you know, they don't feel anything. You can't touch them. You can't. And they don't feel love. So I guess that's what the episode was ultimately about, mm. was someone experiencing love for the first time. Denier, uh, desire to connect. Yeah, but not, not even sad. just in love romantically. Almost no, love anyone. Yeah, love for a father. Because hmm. him and Kirk have a father-son relationship in this. So what do you think of the ending then? Was it... it was not what I was expecting. However, I did not know how they were going to get out of it. Because at that point, Charlie was still being evil. And I thought, how are they going to turn this around? Because Kirk can't do anything. Yes, he's got some kind of mental influence over him. But he can't over... Not overshadow. He can't over... Overthrow him. Throw him, yeah. yeah. Can't cook so through his way out of it. No. And that was weird. But when they did show up, I was like, but I was really shocked that they let him go. I mean, what well, could they have done? Yeah, but, I don't think they had any control. Um, but then it. they just, didn't, this is everything went just quiet. And they were like, well, that's the end of another day. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. Back that to is work, kids. Cold air. Yeah, screw Charlie. <laughs> I got to say, I've got a big smile on my face now as I'm talking about it. The part where, because he'd slapped Rand's bottom. Yeah, yeah. And she, I can't remember who she speaks to, but it, McCoy, I think, tells Kirk that he's got a, is it McCoy or Spock says you have to talk to him and tell him you shouldn't be doing it or something. Mm. And so Kirk tries to have a conversation with Charlie about how you shouldn't slap a woman's bottom. And the way he's trying to say it, Kirk never really gives any true explanation or ex- yeah, no explanation for why you shouldn't really do it. Or like, you can't really say what's wrong about it. And it's just hilarious watching Kirk 
in this unnatural role as a father when he's got the kid oh, pretty much being like, why, why? Which we deal with with our children all the time. He's super uncomfortable. And he's, try- he's trying to explain. And he's kind of like getting some words out. And he's like, you know, you know what I mean? And, and none of us know what <laughs> Kirk means. <laughs> At the end, he's like, it's like, it's all done. You just feel like Kirk's like, yeah, whew, also, got through that one okay. <laughs> it must be so hard for him to be like, Charlie, you can't just go around slapping girls' bums when clearly he does that all the time. Oh, Kirk. I reckon he just walks through corridors and he's like, That's my well, job. I can't tell, but the way I use my walk and my walls, man. Slapping bottoms. Slapping bottoms. All over the Enterprise. Yeah. Making it rain slaps, you know? Shatner's so good in these early episodes, I think. There's a brilliant bit where when Charlie still wants Rand, Kirk's finally saying to her, saying to him that the line, I can't remember, I should have written it down. Something along the lines of, you know, you can't have it. He's like, well, I want to. He's like, well, you can't. I want to. I want to. Well, you can't. There's a million things yeah, you have in, to this, learn. in this universe that you can have. And, and, what, and a million and things, things you, you can't. can't. You've got to learn where that is. And that line. It was really good. I need to I need to get it written down. Because I, when I heard it, I was like, that is a line to say to my children yeah. one day. Not now when they're little children, but like when they're growing up, I feel like that is a, that is. Can't we say it to him when he demands a lolly after dinner tomorrow? Oh, because he'll start asking me how many... There are a million things you can have in this world, Harrison. And a million things you can't. Yeah, but then he'll be all... Oh, but what number comes after a million? Oh, yeah. And then I'll be stuck. Is and then one, one million comes after that? bigger than infinity? Like, yeah. What about infinity plus one? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's oh. interesting watching him try to learn maths right now. Yeah, but I thought that was amazing. Like, that, that, that line... Is one of the best lines I think I've ever heard on TV. Mm. Just for very how profound. profound. Oh, we both said profound. Very profound. If I was young in my mind, I would say jinx. If you were young in your mind. I'm still a 16-year-old Kyle inside my head. Physically. I was correcting your grammar. I, I knew what you Oh, were you? Yeah. Oh, God. I thought I'd have to worry about that on this show. You uh, should always be worried about that. Do you have any favourite scenes that like, we haven't spoken about? I know because I do just like most of the interaction between Kirk and Charlie because it's awkward and it is quite fatherly. Oh, it's totally fatherly, um, and you get it from Charlie. Like he, you get the feeling from him of the son in a relationship who just can't make mm. his dad happy as well. It's a really interesting dynamic, mm. I think. Especially because they've just met. Like Straight there's away, no background there. I don't. I don't know how they managed to do this. Yeah, you buy into it. It's all the stuff with Charlie and, and yeah. uh, Captain Kirk. Yeah. Anything else that I love how cold they are about it at the end. Love it. I, I mean, brutal. It's shocking because nowadays they would probably take Charlie away, and then whichever captain it is would go and sit and do a captain's log, and they would have been like, "I really regret not being able to save Charlie, and I will spend eternity looking for him." And well, can I tell you actually that? There's only one other Trek captain, I think, who they could have done this kind of storyline with. Um, I guess. Yeah, think about the situation. I think this this captain would have dealt with the parent and son relationship differently, as in would have been more confident, I think, to tackle the issues. But the way that they still were like pleading to keep Charlie after and such... Mm for it to come natural to them. Now, people will listen to this and say, well, all the captains will do it. I think there's one captain who this story could have still worked it's for. It's not Picard because he hates children at the moment. Mm. I want to go with Archer. Yeah, Archer. Yeah. Jonathan Archer. Can you see it? I could see Archer. Yeah, but he'd be a great dad figure. He would be a really good father figure. We'll never know if he had any children or if the line ended with him. Mm. But 
yeah, I could see Archer doing having this episode. Mm. Like, obviously, not the way it was written in the 60s, but I could see it. I could totally see it. Mm. You know, we haven't seen much of so far Spock. No, we haven't. Not much of Spock at all. No. Given that Leonard Nimoy is one of the only two actors billed in the opening mm. credits. Yeah. I would say that Spock's doing less than McCoy at this point. I think yeah, McCoy's been, yeah, has I done agree. quite a lot. DeForest Kelly. Yeah. And may, well, maybe all. Both of them rest in peace. So, TOS rankings so far. What have we had? We've had uh, Where No Man Has Gone Before, followed by The Man Trap. Mm. And then, because as we record this, we've actually watched the next episode of TOS. But yeah. no spoilers on that. And then this one, Charlie X. Give me a ranking. Um, this is actually really, really hard because for some weird reason, Uh-oh. I love them all. So. Wow. You yeah, I know. Have, you've actually retroactively changed your opinion of where no man has gone I before. Know. I know. Holy shit. Guys, we're coming at you with all the twists and turns again. <laughs> again. So you, you have retroactively mm. changed your opinion on an episode. Based on what you've seen since. Yeah. Talk to me about that, how that's happened. I don't know. I just, I really feel way more invested in the characters Mm. in TOS than, for example, DS9 so far. TNG is the only other one where I'm like really into the characters for it. Getting there with Voyager a bit. But I'm starting to really love how simple it is. Not simple, like the production part of it is simple and yes the acting with the staring and stuff is like what and the makeup and the makeup they do wear a lot of makeup it's been so long since i've seen i first ever saw tos on like vhs i I guess on tv well now looking at it it's like how do we ever watch that and the tv was probably (laughs) yeah little tiny tv probably black and white as well but i i don't remember how it looked the makeup there but i you know i I feel like the makeup was not designed for the show to have been upscaled to hd which is what we're Mm. watching it in now so the makeup looks particularly odd Mm. but like if i i think i would if i were to watch those three again i would enjoy them equally (sighs) straight up tie between all three of them Mm. whoa who would have seen this come in not me especially after the first episode i was like do i have to watch this I know, you were really... And Duh, fuck. So this has happened without you really telling me because when we I, went... No, I didn't realise until just now. Because when we did this third run of episodes in the week, I asked you what you wanted to watch and TOS was like the first or second one you suggested and I was like, oh, I, d- I didn't know why and we watched and we didn't watch it in that order. But you've done it again for the fourth one, so that's, <laughs> that's interesting. Okay, so <laughs> next week we are doing one from each show again. So we will be reviewing well it's not really reviews is it we'll be getting katie's thoughts on tos the naked time tng the last outpost uh, ds9's babel i believe it's called i feel so unsure about that one because i don't have that one written down in front of me like all the other ones <laughs> and then voyager's phage which is a really interesting episode i'm curious to think to see what you're going to think of that one mm. yeah please um if you're listening to the show please join us Join us again. Join us again for our next uh, set of episodes. And make sure you listen to all the little deets that drop after Katie delivers a now famous, for me anyway, catchphrase to end the show. I know. I don't know how this has become famous. This is just how I speak. Yeah. See us out. (gasps) Have a lovely week. 
Hosted by Katie Harbin and myself, Kyle West, her first Trek, a Star Trek review podcast, is produced by nerdsince86.com and is part of the holosuitemedia.com podcast network. If you would like extra content from us, including early access to her first Trek episodes, our Patreon-exclusive Her First Trek After Show, where we rank the episodes we've discussed each show, early access to Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast episodes, and much, much more, you can become a valued supporter of our show by signing up to our Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash nerdsince86 for more details. To keep up to date on all the news and updates from Her First Trek, be sure to follow at Her First Trek on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. To join the holosuitemedia.com community discussion group, simply type the Nexus, Holosuite Media's listeners community, into the Facebook search bar. Thank you for listening. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. And I think we need to have a little bit of nudity in this episode too. <laughs> the I'm down for that. Wait, wait a minute. Specify the nudity and who. No, Neelix, of course. No, thank you. Good day, sir. <laughs> what if, if Dr. Pell finds out a way to do it, and then mm-hmm. however that happens, they get split up, all right? But okay. Chakotay still has the phage. Yes. But in Tuvok's info dump, what if Tuvok knows how to solve the phage? But they secure the phage. Secure the okay. phage. But the only way to do that is to go to the Resolutions planet. They go to New Earth? They go to New Earth, and Chakotay is beamed down, but something goes wrong with the transporter, and Janeway mm-hmm. is beamed down on there as well. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Random Trek Review, a Star Trek review podcast. Who knows? I mean, what's the worst that happens? They all have a terrible experience and you you learn that okay maybe there's nothing we can really do to to get these people to work better and you know you go from there or aliens shear off the side of the delta flyer and they all die a horrible death in space i mean that could happen too (laughs) yeah that's also possible but then i guess i mean you'd have a whole new problem but that would solve the problem of three underperforming crew members Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, The Expanse, an Enterprise podcast. We've talked previously about gratuitous... Yeah. You know, just showing off Jolien Bledock's bits and pieces, really, for no reason. That is one of them, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm a male, so that stuff is, at least at this time, was mostly targeted at me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say that she has not got an incredible physique, because she, she does. Obviously, she does. But yeah. whenever I see those moments now, I just think, God, oh, so unnecessary. And I feel bad for Jolene. You know, like, did she get a choice? Did she mind? If she didn't mind, then I guess who cares? But that was really revealing, that shot through the sheet. It just seemed unnecessary. You didn't need that. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.